0: It's so been one of the more interesting uh, weeks of my life, but
1: um,
0: you know, I, I got to start off on a on a, a somber note here. Uh, we're, we're recording this on Thursday, April sixteenth, and was awakened to the news of my friend Howard Finkel uh, passing away, and. This audience, you know who Howard Finkel is, and, and the fake, the single greatest string announcer of all time.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, man, I had I fucking even cried here. <laughs>
0: oh fuck me I need to go to sleep oh shit you alright <coughs> dude I didn't cried I mean yes, you know Dr. Jerry Briscoe and Layfield and you that's it I hadn't even <coughs> it's real when you say it out loud like that Let's just get this shit together here for a second. It's okay, man. We're not in a hurry. Fuck me, man. God damn it. I need to go to bed. I uh, only met Howard Finkel one time, and uh, it was when I, I won a, um, a little auction years ago to get a tour of the WWE warehouse and, uh, or not the warehouse, but headquarters. And my, my tour guides were, uh, Howard Finkel and Ben Brown. And half the fun was just getting to me, Howard. I mean, this is, you know, obviously a different era for you. Somebody you worked with, but somebody we grew up listening to and, you know, his iconic, and new. I mean, became a part of wrestling and it was just cool to, uh, to say that you got to meet him. All right, I'm good. Sorry. Do you want to say something about Howard? No, you know, um... Fink was 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 just the gray announcer and you know for me when I started 1987 you know before that Fink was the guy in Vince's office that you, you know you talked to we would send tapes and we would send different things to him and uh um, Got to meet Fink, you know, and work with Fink, and we became fast friends, and, and used to go to Howard's house for for barbecues, and he used to go to Stu Leonard's and get steak burgers, and I remember he was so proud that he was not serving hamburger, he was serving steak burgers, <laughs> and one day Vince says, Howard, what the fuck is a steak burger? What's the difference between steak burger and hamburger? and he says oh these are Stu Leonard steak burgers he says howard all hamburgers are steak and yeah i was just fake fink. fink was fink was fake and he he was he was great and uh, the last you know the last few years were hard on howard and he was in an assisted living home Um. His, his brain faculty was all there his, his motor skills were not and um, his, his it just uh, look we lost uh, we lost a great man and, uh, and a great friend and Godspeed Howard people Love the fink.
3: The show Brian Elver is here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Sempervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. We're talking the death of Howard Finkel, who had been in poor health for a while. I seem to recall it was probably last year's WrestleMania. I think it was last year's WrestleMania. I'd been told by people who had gone to see him that he was not doing well. It was very, very sad. Howard Finkel was to me the greatest ring announcer of all time. Whenever you see things even through like MMA fighters when they win a title and they do the hashtag and new. I mean, Howard Finkel, he was he was known for announcing the new and new WWF champion. He was the greatest. And I want to tell just one story cuz I just I was just watching this a couple of days ago. Vince McMahon has this thing about age. He doesn't like old people on his programming. And the funny thing is uh, Vince McMahon, when he was an on-screen character, I mean, he was ready to get rid of himself because he thought him, he was too old. So, I mean, say what you will about his, his issues with age, but, I mean, that included himself. But, of course, you know, whenever there was a problem, he was always good at drawing ratings, so he'd bring himself back and do this and that. But he did not like, he does not like older people on television. And that's why he's he worked to get rid of Jim Ross. He worked to get rid of Jerry Lawler. He worked to... You know, over and over throughout the years, if, if you're 40 and up, I mean, even John Cena, if you watch the Firefly Funhouse, the Firefly Funhouse match at WrestleMania, a lot of that was about John Cena's too old. John Cena, for crying out loud. John Cena came out doing the basic Thungadomix gimmick at WrestleMania. He looked almost exactly the same. But to Vince, guy's too old. So anyway, speaking of Jim Ross, at one point, I guess Vince decided that Jim Ross was too old and he wanted Michael Cole in there. And so Michael Cole ends up doing commentary and they do this angle where Jim Ross is going to come out and I guess the storyline was supposed to be that he was like an old crazy guy and he was going to build his own announce desk and he was going to do commentary himself next to Michael Cole. And, of course, the idea was supposed to be that Michael Cole was obviously better and Jim Ross was old and crazy. And we were supposed to, like, think that Jim Ross was a heel. But the fact of the matter was he starts doing commentary and he just blows away everybody. So, like, the whole thing backfired. And I bring this up because I was just watching SmackDown. It was the first and second episode of SmackDown. We've been watching it on Tuesday nights for the Brian and Vinny show since we're not doing Retro Rod Nitro till Craig and, and Rob and everybody can come back. So there's an angle on there where Chris Jericho's new lackey is Howard Finkel. He's, Howard Finkel is Chris Jericho's new Ralphus, And on this show, Chris Jericho, he wants, he wants Fink to go out there and basically take over the ring-announcing duties from Tony Chimmel. Because according to Chris Jericho, who, by the way, Chris Jericho is a heel, the heel Chris Jericho tells Finkel to go out there and take over for Tony Chimmel because Finkel, he says, is the greatest of all time. Clearly, the idea here is it's supposed to be a heel gimmick. And, oh, you know, all the, all the viewers, uh, Tony Chimmel, young guy, you know, he's the new one. Howard, Howard Finkel's old. He's, he's from another era whatever. So Howard Finkel goes out there. And the whole spot is Howard Finkel is just supposed to grab the mic from Chimmel and say, the following contest is scheduled for one fall. Or whatever he's going to say. So, you know, Chimmel's out there. And God bless Tony Chimmel. He, he actually is a good ring announcer. But Finkel goes out there. And this is in the year, it was 2000, it was 99 or whatever. Finkel's, you know, been retired or whatever. And Lillian and everyone is there. So Finkel goes out there and he grabs that mic. And he says, the following contest is scheduled for one fall. And then Tony Chimmel jumps in from behind that 10 word sentence or whatever like he was the greatest he was the greatest of all time and it reminded you why did you get rid of howard finkel just like their angle they did with jim ross caused you the fans to think why did they get rid of jim ross and every other angle they've done when they've brought anybody back and it's like why did you get rid of this guy this guy's the greatest and granted, like, you know, you need to bring up new talent and everything like that. But, I mean, really, is this is not WCW when you're not letting a young ring announcer take over for Howard Finkel. So anyway, he was the best. He was the greatest. Should have been in every Hall of Fame, like, the moment they all opened up. And I was so sad when I woke up today. After everything that went down yesterday, then we wake up today and we find out that Howard Finkel has passed away. The worst week. This week sucks.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening for the World
5: Wide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. One fall to a finish. Introducing in the corner to my right,
4: the challenger from Portland, Oregon, weighing 297 pounds. Formerly of Abruzzi, Italy,
5: now residing in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, weighing
4: 250 pounds, the worldwide wrestling.
6: Hello, everyone. For OneWrestling.com, this is Bill After, and I've been waiting for the day that I could sit down on the After chat and chat with one of, and I know I say this about a lot of people, one of my favorite people in the whole world who I've known almost since the start of my career, Howard Finkel, WWE Hall of Famer. Indeed, Bill.
5: I'm delighted to be here with you, and uh, I can attest to the fact that Bill and I go back a long time. Look it up. It's under Crimean War. (laughs) Actually,
6: we have bad backs from getting out of covered wagons, don't we? Yes. uh, Wagon Train, I still watch all the time. Ward Bond, Ward Bond. Anyway, I wanted to uh, stop. We're here at Legends of the Ring here. You're the the host today, and uh, the past few years, I've seen you at more and more of these fan conventions, and before that, I hadn't seen you at any of them, so uh, tell us about your interaction with the fans and things that they've asked you about your past.
5: First of all, I categorize it under where have I been all these years. Yeah. Uh, This, the interaction with the fans, Bill, is undoubtedly A priceless experience for me. Uh, For years, you give to the fans, you perform to your optimum level, and now when you can come to these affairs such as Legends of the Ring, uh, you have the the pleasure of giving back and thanking the fans for all of their support for all the years that... uh, I've been at uh, my craft. Uh, I, I value this opportunity. I truly do, because if it wasn't for the fans, we wouldn't be anything. You're
6: absolutely right. Now, one of the, uh, the great memories I have of uh, all the years that I spent on the road were the monthly shows at Madison Square Garden. And it was always a highlight, not only to hear you announce the wrestlers in the ring, but I always looked forward to that one time when you were going to give the card for the following month. You can honestly say that you could hear a pin drop. You could, really? I get so many... 22,000 people at the garden and silence. And to this day, people still
5: say, I always remember when you... We're going to annex the following card for Madison Square Garden. You know, I, I feel like time stood still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, as I say, you could hear a pin drop. They had people uh, people stop what they were doing. Uh, you know, uh, of course, Mama came out of the kitchen, yes, as Black Blackjack yes, used to yes, say. Yes. Uh, so that's flattering. And I knew that the spotlight was on me, and I knew that I had to give it the best that I could. You were, you were great, and you were the best at it. It, Thank you, Bill. It was like I was the captain of the roller coaster ride. I wanted to take people to the heights. I wanted to take them into the valleys. I wanted to have them you go did. up and down. You did. And the emotion and everything. My job was to sell the card and make people interested.
6: I thought I did my job. So all these people think that great wrestlers like Bruno San Martino uh, packed the garden when indeed it was your salesmanship that was doing it.
5: That's only part of the equation, though, Bill, to be perfectly honest. One and one does not make two in that case. I know you're having a little fun, but no. uh, But it was a very integral part uh, to get people interested, even though, of course, obviously, I I take a a huge backseat to the performers through the years. They're the ones that are uh, giving their all. I was just a small part of it but I want to think well, you that my large, small, part, small part my my small part was
6: something worthwhile. So before you there was Johnny Addy at Madison Square Garden there was Bob Freed Jack Lee Jack Lee That's the one I
5: thought I replaced. Jack Lee was a uh, harness race caller yes, yes. at at the old Roosevelt, Roosevelt Raceway. Raceway for those who re- together. for those who remember. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it was it was something that uh, I used to watch him do the harness racings way back, the call the harness racers back, way back when, on, for those that know Channel 9 in New York. And uh, so that was really cool that I came out of the back stretch oh, yes.
6: down to the quarter pole yeah. and I hit the finish line. Now, I'm going to ask you a question here um, that I've always wanted to know. You are actually... The first real employee of the WWF. Yes, sir. You were the first guy that Vince Jr. really hired to work for him. It was
5: indeed a day that lives in my infamy. April 1st, April Fool's Day, Bill, of 1980. Uh, I began my first day on the job with Vince uh, at a company we called Titan Sports. And
6: what did you do that first day?
5: Went to work? Yeah, what did you do? Uh, Had breakfast. Yeah. Woke up, got out of bed, dragged a comb across my head, which I can't do now. Me either. (laughs) Me either. Uh, No, in all honesty, what I did, uh, basically, I did a lot of uh, secondary work that built into a primary position. Uh, I was very much responsible for, uh, back in those days, we were soliciting organizations to run live WWF right, events. Right. So I had to take everybody who came in and who sent in responses that we'd like to do that. We selected, we rooted it. And then I had to take them by the hand. And it was like a grassroots campaign. Oh, wow. It was fun. You know, you tell them, all right, here you go. You can't make money like you can make with being a part of a live WWF event right. it's better than a bake sale, it's better than a car wash, you don't get wet you don't get fat, you get entertained to the highest order, so it's like grassroots, you would take them through the promotional campaign, you would order posters tell them to go put them in the con- all the stores throughout town, order the tickets because back in those days we had hard tickets
6: and, not- and there was no internet back then either so you no. couldn't get the word out back then oh. well, you worked side by side I would call him periodically at the office and sometimes this guy vince would pick up uh yes. and he's, he said who do you want to speak to I said uh, howard tringle hold on who is
5: it Bill will hold on bill it was mom and pop back then it there's was... no question about it mom and
6: pop certainly will always have a soft spot in my heart did you did you back then because I saw Vince Jr. back in the days when he worked for Top Rank, and he was one of the promoters of the great uh, Evil Can Evil Snake River
5: Canyon.
6: But did you know back then that what an incredible empresario he would become? When anybody can do
5: something like Evel Knievel's Snake River Canyon Jump or have involvement with Muhammad Ali uh, and Antonio Inoki, uh, you could see that the seeds were being planted. And then when I came on board in 1980, I started realizing that vince mcmahon had a bigger vision in mind and that vision was to uh, become a conglomerate of worldwide proportions uh i think we succeeded
6: yeah yeah i think so uh, what's the name of that uh, company now Um
5: uh, W-W-E.
6: Yeah, I remember. You fans should check it out. Howard Finkel, I could spend hours speaking to you here, but two things. Our cameraman's right hand is probably falling off at the moment, and uh, we're about out of time, so I'd like to revisit and uh, talk with you more at another time. And uh, listen, I have to do this, okay? In one corner is Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. In the other corner... Is wonderful Willie Bill Abdel. Yes, Would you mind? My pleasure, ladies and gentlemen. The following contest is
5: scheduled for one fall and it is for the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Championship. Introducing first in the corner to my left, the challenger hailing from wherever he damn well pleases, wait unknown because he doesn't want to let us know. Wonderful Willie there, his opponent from Camden, New Jersey, weighing 230 pounds, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion, Nature Boy, Buddy Rogers. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce myself. Some of you may know me and some of you may not. My name is Howard Finkel. I'm also known as The Fink. And I am the premier ring announcer in the World Wrestling Federation. The very best in wrestling today. As of late, I've been having a problem with a man I know as Whippleman, but apparently you people here in Memphis know as Downtown Bruno. My goodness, that has to be the stupidest name that I've ever heard. Who could walk around the streets of Memphis and call himself Downtown? give the man a roadmap, he wouldn't know downtown from Uptown. That's how dumb he is. I've had some problems over the past few months with him concerning things that he has put the blame on me for. Don't buy it for a second, folks. I'm the one that's in the right. I've been in the World Wrestling Federation doing ring announcing for a long, long time, and never have I ever faced a more stupider, idiotic excuse for a human being like downtown. Ugh downtown bruno what a name well nevertheless it is going to all come to a head this monday night at the mid-south coliseum finally the opportunity is going to be there for your so-called hero to become even more of a hero when he steps into the ring and goes one-on-one with me and this is going to be something that i perhaps shouldn't be looking forward to if you want to believe downtown bruno I don't believe that idiot for a second. I know that I'm going to have to come down from the Big Apple and fly down to Memphis, Tennessee this Monday night at the Mid-South Coliseum and step into the ring with Downtown Bruno. Give me a break.
7: WWE Hall of Famer, the legendary ring announcer Howard Finkel passed away at the age of 69 and let me bring in my tag team partner and my
8: and my friend, uh, the one and only Mark Henry. Mark, how are you this morning, buddy? You know, what, man? it is like you said, it's somber <clears throat> and a little bit difficult. But Howard never missed a day of work. And I'd be damned if I'm going to. You know, and people like Howard set the tempo. Uh, he was the first WWE employee. He did everything. And when I say everything, I mean, he was the caretaker. <laughs> he was sometimes the janitor. He put the ring up, drove the truck, uh, did everything that you could do. Shipping-wise, uh, I mean, he, he was a, probably the most multifaceted WWE employee of all time. Uh, I don't know if there's ever been anybody that did as many jobs as Howard did, and without complaining. He loved it. He loved work. He loved being a part of the WWE. He loved being a personality. And at some point today... During this program I gotta hear Welcome to the Jungle. Oh okay. Because Howard would play Welcome, they they would play it on before the show opened, before Howard Finkel came through the curtain to make the announcements. They would play Welcome to the Jungle and he'd be behind the curtain, shadow boxing, jumping up and down, punching, and that's what I see in my mind right now. Uh yesterday it was hard. it was hard I said this wasn't going to be how I wanted the show to go this morning but he will be missed and I talked to probably 10 people yesterday. That every time we talked, all we did was cry. But at the end, we ended up laughing because there was so many special funny moments uh hanging out with howard where there's always somebody that would do an impersonation (laughs) and nobody could do the impersonation completely well not like howard did it uh tommy dreamer would always be like however (laughs) and and he that's that's a part of his his everyday vernacular he, he always threw some Howard in with almost every conversation that you had with him um Justin Roberts uh who we rode together for a long time uh mainly during the Sacha Corn Cohen uh movies and um we both referred to ourselves as b Lo and um Howard was a Be <laughs> like, hello, Howard? Howard B-Low? And it was just like, so I start to think about all the funny things, but you know, it's hard, man. It's really hard.
4: C-F-O, C-F-O, C-F-O,
3: C-F-O, C-F-O. And for the request of the challenger, I would like to introduce
7: hard one um you know howard finkel was a really um he was a, you know he's a great guy he's a nice guy he was the best in the world at what he did um i think that people will be every every single person who does ring announcing for professional wrestling and to a lesser extent other uh, combat sports is are going to you know i think most will copy him because he's the prototype of what you do and others will inadvertently be copying him i think for generations to come um i think that people kind of it really hit people today how um you know major a figure he was and, you know he got voted in the observer hall of fame Ring announcer, he's the only one who ever did although we also have jimmy london in um and you know that's. I think that speaks a lot, and everything that you've read from everyone speaks a lot. And um, you know, it's really it. It, it was. Uh, it was sad. Um, you know, when you go through his career, there are. You know, I'm. I'm finishing writing an article on his career, and it's. It's got. There's a lot of different twists and turns to the career. It's a it's a fascinating career for a ring announcer. But he's more than a ring announcer too. He was he worked in talent relations, um, you know. But he he was a guy. I mean, Howard Howard loved wrestling, um, and Howard loved people. I mean, he, everything that you will read from people who have interacted with me, even if you know if they're fans, Howard treated you if you were a fan like you were a customer. You know, like we talked about with Paul Bosch. you were not someone um to look down on he did not have any 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 what i would call big league thing to him or or you know you know i'm a star nothing like that and i mean even with me you know i can look back and go when when you know i was not necessarily the most popular guy in the eighties with that company. But when they would come here, you know, I, you know, he knew me and, and we would talk and, and, you know, not long conversations cause he's bringing out at the show. It would be during intermission, you know, at the show and we would kind of sit there and, you know, he could go to the back, but we, you know, we would talk a lot and, um, you know, super nice. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I could never say anything negative about him whatsoever. And as far as a, um, you know, as far as, as doing his job, the guy never made a mistake. The guy was the prototype of all of this. Um, and I always will look at those, you know, I mean, my my memories of Howard Finkel start with Madison Square Garden in the late 70s on uh, MSG Cable. And, you know, he was, he was so good at this. And then Uh, you know like at the end of the show right before the main event or the the last match they actually put the main event in the middle of the show but before the last match they would announce next month's card and the way he would do it it was like you couldn't wait to go out there and buy tickets and you know he would say tickets are available and, and you know He'd go through each match, and with each match, you're starting from the opener to the main event, right? And he'd go through each match, and each match, you know, like a little bit stronger. And in our, you know, special attraction, and then this, and then that. And then you got your tag team championship match. And the, But he would do it in a way where every match felt epic. That was maybe my biggest memories, is when he would go in there, and, you know, he announce the Bob Backlund championship match, and then he'd kind of leave, and he'd go, oh, that's the card, and go, oh! And we've got one more match, you know, and it's Ivan Koloff. And, you know, you're thinking like, well, if we already had the championship match, what the hell is he talking about? And he's going to take on and he would just, you know, make, then he would talk about the living legend, Bruno San Martino. And he would do it in the place, would just explode. And he did it in the most perfectly dramatic way. It was just Howard. The microphone came
5: down out of the ceiling. He had his note cards. He ran it like clockwork and commanded the audience's attention.
7: Yeah, he was a big part of the the shows, and you know, for for the you know people from the eighties when, when they went national, he, he was the voice of, of most of your biggest events. You know, most of the pay per views. You know, for for you know, fifteen year period, and you know, one of one of the things that I would argue the most, the most, the most, the most is that it should have been much longer. Um, you know, Howard was the best long after he was on television. He was still the best. I would go to the house shows and see Howard, and it was always like, um, why is he no longer on television? And it, I mean, I know why, because the idea of cosmetic this and that, but it's it's just like, but he's the best. I've always had that problem. You know, it's like, who cares? You know what I mean? It's he's, and it's, aside from that, Howard Finkel, you know what I mean? It's like, if, if um, you know, if it's somebody else and they got old, if Tony Chimmel got old and they just said, you know, no offense to Tony Chimmel, he was very good at what he did too. Um, but that's that's he, he was never for Howard Finkel, and nobody would ever. And, you know, no one. You know, I you know any of these ring announcers now, I think every one of them would would, would know and, and would tell you that we copy Howard Finkel, but we're not as good as Howard Finkel. Nobody is. Nobody. I don't know if anyone. You know. I guess someday somebody will be because there always is that, but I don't think it's going to be in my lifetime. You know, because um, he was he was perfect at it. I mean, and and, and um, you know, I mean, so so between that aspect, professional, and everything like that, and and a nice guy, and um he, you know, again, too soon, and it's a very it's it's a very sad day for wrestling. Um, to me. Yeah, you know, this has been a very sad week for wrestling. Every single day we've had something bad happen pretty much. When he passed away, we all have so vivid memories because he was perfect at what he did and he was part of our certain, you know, he was a part of every one of our lives in an in entertainment form in a way that I don't think that we fully will, fully recognized until maybe today because, again, the ring announcer you take for granted but now you look back and just go, and again, every time you watch um, every time you watch wrestling or or Bruce Buffer in MMA and you see certain things that they do the fact is is that you know they're copying some aspects of Howard Finkel they have their own um, you know they all have you know, Bruce Buffer certainly has his own um, style that's absolutely completely different but he's still copying certain things as well and every pro wrestling announcer um, you know even more so way more so you know they'll tell you it's like you know what you know where we're trying to be Howard Finkley never will be um, and um, I wish we had you know I wish it was forever um, you know I think of Jimmy Lennon and I saw Jimmy Lennon into his 70s all the time until you know he got old and 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 you know it, it I, I was supposed to you know the health issues and everything like that when you're in your 70s but with Howard you know, he was first taken off TV in his 40s. And, and, man, you know, I mean, he definitely the last couple of years had health problems, but we should have had um, 15 more years of Howard Finkel um, doing these iconic events. No, you know, nothing negative about any of the guys who did it, and women who did it since. You know, there were ring announcers before Howard Finkel, and, and you know, they were good. Um, and the stars still got over um, Howard binkle was the that little extra percent in helping things get over he you know um, I saw Lance storm compared to Jim Ross and um, I mean you know it's funny I mean I, he did that and I spent all day today writing about Howard and that was the first thing in many many ways of my comparison with with Jim Ross in the sense of um, you know just just a lot of things a lot of things you know in the, in the story when that when, when it comes out um, you know the you know, as far as um, they were, the, they were the voice, and they were, you know, they, you know, for, for a wrestler, you know, a wrestler growing up, um, being introduced by Howard Finkel. You know, I think that that's one of the things that, like, these guys now in WWE, some of them, you know, I mean, very few of them really, because of when he was taken off, um, very few of them were introduced by Howard Finkel. Some of some of them maybe early in their careers at house shows. But most of them never. And I think that they're kind of like, oh, my God, I I, I got to think that every one of them, because because every one of them did grow up with Howard Finkel. And with the idea that, man, when just once on a pay-per-view, you know, have Howard Finkel announce, you know, Dolph Ziggler or, or, um, you know, whoever the guy is, right? The Miz or, you know, these guys that just grew up watching him.
5: I remember years and years ago, Roddy Piper telling me that the nickname "the Fink" came from Howard Finkel giving Vince information about the rival IWA at the time.
7: Yeah, that's absolutely true. That's where um, my first memory of, of what I heard about Howard Finkel and Vince Jr. You know, current Vince was that he would um, he, he would he would help you know tell Vince what happened with that promotion and then. That was the time when he got hired at first in 75. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's um, that's where it comes from, yes.
5: And one of his jobs was to read The Observer and uh, report back key parts, is that right?
7: He was one of the first subscribers of The Observer under the name Kathy Nickerson, which is his, his wife's maiden name. And, um, yes, yes, um, he would... Well, early on, um, he would... Xerox or whatever, you get the copy machine and uh, copy, I don't know how many copies. I think they used to, Jim Barnett would tell me like 20 or 30, and Jim Barnett and Patterson and Vince and everybody, you know, would, would could get it. And then later, um, as there were, more, you know, more and more places and hotlines and everything, Howard would listen to all the hotlines, read all the newsletters, or you know, maybe, I don't know, about all the newsletters, probably like in that year, The Torch and The Observer and um, Matt Watch. And you know he would do the the Finkel report, you know, which is all the all the news that was going on for Vince and, and again the higher up, so yeah, you know that was that was just yeah he subscribed to the observer because that was part of his job um but you know he was like i said you know i mean you know he was he was always cool to me, he was always cool to everybody um and um you know what a you know great knowledge of wrestling too you know i mean it's it's like it wasn't just a job to him i mean he you know you get him talking about wrestling and the guy beamed it and um loved talking about the old days Loved being around it um often got taken advantage of by some people unfortunately um and you know that's part of the story too but um you know it's still like, no matter what, he was one of those guys where, and again, and, and I think like Jim Ross, like you can beat him down and beat him down, and he's still always going to love wrestling, um, you know, even with the negatives, and he knew all the negatives, he, he loved wrestling, he has, you know, i think the think, he knew his trivia, like top-notch, top-notch trivia guy, Um love talking to wrestling people, love talking to wrestling people who knew the old days, the old school wrestling, you know, the, the 70s style wrestling. You know, he was very big on that for sure. But it, it wasn't, you know, but he was fine with the 80s. And like I said, like he would, you know, I, I can remember, you know, during shows, and he would just go look at this, you know, had a big crowd, right? And, and it's San Francisco, you know, it's not, New York, you know, it's the other part of the country, and you know, it's like, look at what we're able to do all over the country. He Was would beam about that, so he didn't like just go, oh, it was great when I was first starting, and now it's blah blah blah. He was not that guy at all, and um, I don't know what he thought, you know, in years because I, I, you know, again, once he once he was off the road, um, I never really talked to him again, you know, and um, unfortunately, um, thinking back, you know, it's it's just one of those things, uh, but. Um, it's it's you know it's a great great loss. It's a great loss to the business. Um, we were robbed of a lot of good years of him, though. You know, and I, I have always said that. I've always been sort of bitter about that. That um, when when you're you're so consumed by um, pretty faces, and again, this is not a knock on Lillian Garcia, you know, at all, at all, at all, at all, um, and everyone who followed since. But he never should have been replaced until health, health reasons. No, no longer allowed him to do it, yes. Until that day, no. Or unless he, if he got incompetent, but he never would have. He'd have been, you know, I, I mean, as long as he was healthy, um, he would have been the best. You don't decline as a ring announcer, you know, like you would decline as a sprinter, you know, or, a, or even as a professional wrestler. Um, like I said, I saw Jimmy Lennon in his 70s, and Jimmy Lennon was, was better in his 70s than he was on, in, in the 40s when I saw clips of him, you know, on, on on the old Los Angeles stuff. And it was there's Jimmy Lennon. It's like, man, when I was a kid, he was way better than this. And he was much older. Ring announcers get better. And um, unfortunately, um, we were robbed of a lot of great years of, of Howard as a ring announcer. I am
5: However, at this time, I do want to issue an apology to my friend and co-worker, Lillian Garcia. Oh, it's about time. Lillian, I'm truly sorry. Sorry that you didn't get what was coming to you sooner than last week.
4: What? Sick. Howard. Howard.
5: Let's face it. Lillian is such a dips. You know, ever since she's been here... I've had to swallow my pride watching her work in this ring. But you know something? That's a hell of a lot better than what you had to swallow to get your job here. The winners of this bout
4: and new World Wrestling Federation Top team champions, Nikolai Volkov
1: and the Iron Sheik. Justin and I uh, visited Howard. And uh, I visit him a lot because of, you know, I would say he's about an hour and a half, two hours uh, from me. Um, the first time when me and Justin <sighs> went and saw him, he was looking and he started uh, hitting his head and he started rocking back and forth. And he kept saying, is this a dream? Am I dreaming? And, uh... For, a lot of people said Howard had a stroke. Howard had a, a rare genetic brain disease that uh, his brain was shrinking. And I hate that because the whole outthink the fink and he was slowly losing his, his mind. He, he, he had stroke-like symptoms, but he kept falling because of, of his brain. And when he saw me and Justin his face. And I was like, yeah, Howard, it's me and Justin. And he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, we're here to visit you. And he was just like, oh my God. And and just that of happiness. And I didn't post pictures on social media. Every time I took them all the time, I would see him. Neither did Justin because Howard had such pride. He didn't want the people to know that he was sick. He didn't want people to feel sorry for him. Um, And, He was literally just sitting there watching the Mets game up until it was time to watch wrestling. And, uh, I, I posted a picture last night on social media and everyone like kept hitting me up about the note over my shoulder. And I went back and I looked and this is when Howard was in a bad state. Howard couldn't sadly use a cell phone anymore because of his hands, uh, if you handed him the phone and that's what I would do every time when I would visit and I would FaceTime him with Justin um, and Howard's medical note above
2: my shoulder says, please put channel 43 on at 8 p.m. on Monday nights. Wrestling is on. That was his medical note he loved us we were his family that's all he had and like mark said he loved performing in front of the fans and he loved us unconditionally and uh i really just wanted everybody to know what he meant to me but how much we meant to him and what we did and I'm sorry for crying. I cried all day yesterday. And I'm just going to kind of lay out because I want Justin to talk, if he can. But uh, making going and see Howard, and, and during these times we can't see people, but just reach out to people because I can't see him anymore. And uh, I hate it. I really do.
9: The way this morning as we're recording this, I, he was 69 and... Probably the most popular, most universally liked WWF employee of the last 40 years. I don't know if anybody ever, you know, got mad at Howard Finkel or had anything bad to say about him. They'd kid him and rib him. But, you know, I'm verklempt now, which was Howard's favorite word, right? That's how I learned it, verklempt. I always had bum fuzzled because I was from the South. But verklempt is a Northeastern word for... Befuddlement, and but Fink was the most dedicated employee they ever had, and that's what sometimes they didn't treat him that way. I know people say, "Well, you rib people in wrestling if you like them." I think they went too far sometimes with you know stripping him on TV down to his underwear or whatever. Um, but he was always cheerful. He was the first one to get there to the office in the morning. He'd do what we called the Finkel report. Uh, Where every morning, back in those days, when there was really no internet to speak of, and and there was a lot of hotlines, and, and then of course the newsletters, Fink would get there the first thing in the morning, and he'd listen to all the hotlines, or he'd go through all the newsletters, and then when websites started becoming a thing, he'd go through all of those, and he would... A bit type up and my God, he must've been able to type like the wind. I don't know. It was seven o'clock in the morning. I was never at Titan tower at seven o'clock in the morning, but he would typed these long Finkel reports summarizing anything that he thought Vince or the creative staff or the talent relations office ought to be aware of. And it was to the point where he was so reliable that if, if we would like if a writing day when me and Bruce were at Vince's house and it would be 9:30 quarter to 10 and the Finkel report wouldn't have come out yet. Vince would actually say, have you seen the Finkel report, pal?" But you know and, and that was it was almost never late. So that's why it was a, a concern because he'd have it by the time everybody got to the office at nine o'clock or even <clears throat> Vince at eight, 8 or 8:30 or whatever, he would have that thing ready. And but he was uh, always happy and cheerful. If, if bad shit happened, Fink could look at you with that beaming face and those big cheeks and he'd smile. He's, well, Jimmy, what are you going to do? We must press on. <laughs> Just, nothing got him cranky. I never saw him mad at anybody. And he would get frazzled when he was rushed and hurried and etc. but never, you know, upset. I rode with him a couple times to the garden because he knew I hated to go downtown New York. And I hated that trip into the garden and blah, blah, blah but he'd been going so often what he start in as the ring announcer at msg 1977 something like that so he knew everywhere so he could get you right in where you could hop out the car and because nobody's gonna fuck with finkel normally if you were a baby face or a heel and they saw you in a car they'd beat on it you had to park in the lot across the street and 20 bucks back then 25 years ago and pay the guy an extra 20 bucks not to block you in so you could get out early and then you'd have to walk through the people. Well, Fink could pull in and let you out or pull up to the side door and let you in and go a different way or whatever. He knew his way around. And getting out, you, he could actually stop you at a, a store that you could get some snacks without getting shot or stabbed or whatever. But, you know, so anyway, and he took pride in the fact that he was the longest-running employee there. He was the first and, employee of Titan's. Well, he, he was the first one, and he, and he was there until... I guess I don't know what the arrangement has been the past few years whether he retired or whatever. I I'd, I'd known and hadn't said, but I'd heard from some people that he'd had ill health the past couple of years and it Lawler had said one time on his show it was a stroke he, that he had. He didn't have a stroke. <clears throat> I heard what it it was some condition that affected his Communication and some of his, you know, I guess, movement or or whatever. I don't go into details because I don't know him, you know. So I don't want to say. But the point is, he had been in ill health for the past few years, and people hadn't seen him a lot. But I believe it was. I think it was WrestleMania 2017 when I was down there for the Hall of Fame deal that I last saw him, and cheerful as ever. You could tell he was. Physically, he looked like he'd gained some weight but lost some oomph to him. Uh, but, you know, was still cheerful. But a you know, great ring announcer. I, I don't know how they talked Vince McMahon into replacing Howard Finkel on the big shows with the female ring announcer syndrome when he did. But Were you there when they took him off TV? Um, I think... He was still doing some, as I recall, some form of television ring announcing, but I think he'd been moved off of Raw by the time that I uh, left and came back to Louisville. Uh, But, I mean, he was still doing some stuff, so I don't remember exactly what situation, but it wasn't long. You know, they just... It's the same thing as TV news. They don't want people who are good at their job. They want people that look good at their job and younger people, you know. But anyways, like, it was like retiring fucking Jimmy Lennon, for God's sake. You know, no, why was, would you do that? He, he was the best. I mean, there was no one better. And even today, when you look at all the different ring announcers, it always stands out when anyone's remotely good. Because you're in the shadow of Howard Finkel, remotely mediocre or acceptable. Because you're in the shadow of Howard Finkel, who was still great, and they took him off TV because he wasn't young, and he wasn't cosmetically pleasing to Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon at that time. But there's well, now, but no, let's face it. I I would say this to Howard if he was here because I love him. Howard wasn't cosmetically pleasing to anybody. No, he was the ring announcer, and he was the best. Yeah, I know. He was the very best. New Zealand's Tony Gurria opposes huge
5: King Kong Bundy. On June 21st, the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship will be on the line as the champion, Greg the Hammer
4: Valentine, defends his belt against Ricky Steamboat in a
5: six-man tag team matchup, June 21st, the team of Ken Patera, Big John Stud, and Bobby the Prince. Of Barry Window, Mike
4: Rotundo, and their partner, George the Animal Steel.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, the main event in this ring. You will see the magnificent Morocco. Side of Steel
2: What's up? It's Jonathan Hood. I hope that you've enjoyed our look back at the life and times of the best ring announcer ever in professional wrestling, Howard Finkel. All of his friends, contemporaries had some great things to say. You will always remember... And new from the greatest to ever do it, Howard Finkel.